I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. I am so happy that you are here and I would love for you to take a quick second and click like and hit subscribe. It is so important to help this podcast continue. And if you love what you're hearing on the podcast, you can continue to get cool stuff. All you have to do is go to beyoufindhappy.com and join the movement. Jim Cutler, so glad to have you back on the BU Find Happy podcast. And gosh, so much has changed since we even talked last. (laughs) Yeah, I'll say. I, I'm kind of mind blown by um, just the speed in which things are kind of coming to fruition and, and stuff that's you know, Q has talked about for, for well, years now, um, seeing things unfolding in the way of Hunter Biden's laptop and just kind of everything there. What are your thoughts on that in general? Well, it's, um, you know, at first glance, most people are going to see this and, and have questions about, you know, why did Hunter do this and, and things like that. But as this starts to unfold, certain pieces of information are coming out that makes you realize that um, this situation, this Hunter Biden laptop thing was actually in the works for a while. So, for example, um, the guy that uh, the, the Chinese official that Hunter Biden was meeting with, he was actually under surveillance and they had a FISA warrant out on this guy and on Hunter Biden um, at the time they were meeting. And this is um, a very you know important revela- revelation because it proves the FBI knew about what Hunter Biden and what Joe Biden were doing, and they were surveilling them already. Then when uh, Bobolinsky, and, and are you familiar with the Bobolinsky angle on this? Well, I saw it when Tony did the live, and then, of course, it came out on, on Tucker Carlson. I saw that. Um, it, so, But my understanding is he's somehow involved in the energy uh, the energy side, there was a business operation there happening. Is that correct? That is correct. And, um, but what's really interesting, well, just the background, uh, Tony Bobolinsky was brought in by Hunter Biden as a, um, as a guy who can sort of solidify the deal. Uh, he's a, uh, he's a business builder. Uh, he's very, very well known in, um, you know, the, the venture capital industries. And he's a go-to guy. You want to set something up. You want to make the deal happen, get all the details worked out. Tony Bobolinsky is the guy you bring in. So it made sense for the Bidens to reach out for somebody like him because, you know, he's a, he's a get things done guy. But, um, uh, the, the problem is that, um, in that interview with Tucker Carlson, Bobolinsky was dropping all kinds of communication codes. And for those who are listening to him who don't know military code language, you would miss it all. 
but for those of us who do, we're picking up all of those clues. The fact that he had Q clearance, that was a big one. The fact that his sister-in-law died at 6.38 p.m., that's a code for the number 17, which is Q. He also mentioned the hotel that involves Adam Schiff. So Tony Bobulinski was, um, you know, working with the Q team from the very beginning. And that um, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Jim, all those guys were getting set up. And the sting is now, you know, happened and they're toast. They're completely toast. And I want to add one more thing. Everybody, you know, the, the, we're reaching a crescendo here of people getting very pissed off that no arrests are happening. This situation should put them at ease. Clearly, the Q team is doing an enormous amount of work to put things in place. Are you still there? I'm still here, yep. Yeah, good. Um, to put things in place um, to get the results that they want to get and that these people aren't going to be arrested. They're going to be tried for treason. They're finished. Every single one of them are finished. But it would not have happened this way if, if Trump and the Q team had simply gone out and just arrested people. These right. things are being done incredibly carefully, and the results are going to prove that out. Yeah, so I talked to a few people who are more liberal slash left, um, you know, and they're just like, that's all fake. Why would that guy come out all of a sudden? It's all just timing with the election. There's no way that he, you know, had inappropriate action with 25,000 Chinese girls, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And, I'm, and I keep saying, gosh, this is so much bigger. And it, it, it ventures into the whole trafficking and just all of that. And and it, it, it is the timing is, of course, pertaining to the to the election, but it's much bigger than just that. And Tony came forward because he's obviously been, as you said, a part of this for at least a couple of years now. And he you know, he had the emails, he had the phone calls. He didn't want to have his name drugged through the mud on this either. Right. I mean, does that is that an accurate assessment to share with people? Well, not really, because um, Tony knew that he was playing a role and that when this came out to the public, which he knew it was going to, then his name is going to get splashed all over the place. So that's a bit of a, um, you know, um, a sidestep on his part, but it's really pretty immaterial. As far as people not wanting to believe this, then that's their choice. They're going to do that. And most liberals, leftists are going to choose to do that. They're just going to blatantly say, oh, that's none of that's true. It's, it's too coincidental. It's this, it's that, it's the other thing. And that's fine because, again, they're irrelevant. And what is relevant is the data that's being gathered on these people that will then be um, evidentiary uh, material for court proceedings. That's what matters. And they, they have it. They have everything. And people who can't believe it right now will have no choice but to believe it when this goes to, 
trials and tribunals and things like that. And at that point, those people are going to need some therapy because it's going to be very difficult for them to swallow it. Absolutely. And so one of the things that's very interesting to me is the speculation that HRC will be arrested on October 30th, which would be tomorrow. What are your thoughts on that? I am very skeptical of anything or anybody getting arrested before the election. And I have stated that repeatedly and and I will continue to state that this election is very important. It's very important that nothing interfere with the election itself. Everything that is being done right now is is demonstrating that when you look at Barr and and the DOJ and FBI and everybody else, they're just amassing evidence and nothing is going to happen to distract the voting public from going to the polls on November 3rd. Once that happens, however, then things are going to light up and it's going to be a very different world after that. But everybody should really, um, you know, relax, take a seat, know that um, they're not going to see arrests. And I get it that everybody wants to see arrests, but be patient. We have been told over and over and over that we need to be patient and let the plan do its work and that we will see the results. And so I took that to heart. And I know that uh, many of the Anons who are doing this work, um, who get it, um, have also taken that position. And they're telling their viewers this exact same thing. Relax. It's all going to plan. We're we're going to win this. And and it's going to be a very different country after the third and so what do we think the third is and in, in the days following the election is going to look like? I mean, all sorts of speculation there on civil war, et cetera. What do we think is is our realistic future? I'm, of again, of the opinion that um, National Guard and yeah, National Guard and military personnel are already in place around the country. Any attempts at rioting or um, sabotage or what have you are going to be met with very immediate action and quelled. How successful that'll be, how quickly they can get that job done remains to be seen. But I do know that um, forces have been positioned. And so that's comforting to know. Again, the there is a concerted desire here on the part of the Q team to minimize loss, loss of life. They have stated that repeatedly and their actions underscore that. So the best way to reduce loss of life is to put the right personnel in the right places and get them ready so that they can swiftly come in and put down insurrections uh, and, and the quicker it happens, the fewer people are going to be hurt or killed. Now, these are things that Trump has not done in some of these other cities, Portland, Seattle, et cetera. Is that because of the election? And now it, once the election is is passed, that he will he would take that approach? That is my belief. Yes. Up to this point, he has allowed those governors of the states in question to ask for that help because that's that's a constitutional issue 
And so um, he offers it, they decline it, and that action shows the American public that these governors, most of them dem Democrats, do not want uh, these riots to be stopped. They, they want the riots to continue for their own purposes. After the election, those governors are going to be considered to be in, um, you know, in, an, in a part of an insurrection. And the Insurrection Act, I believe, is going to be invoked. And that allows the military to come in, whether the Democratic governors want it or not. And that's going to be necessary because at that point, it no longer serves the president or anybody else, for that matter, to allow the governors to dictate um, how these uh, rioting situations are handled. At that point, it becomes a national issue and the military is going to be called up. Uh, as well as, again, as I stated, the National Guard are going to be in position. So the, the, the governors are not going to have uh, a role after the election. If they want, if they're open and they ask for it and they want the help and they want to be on record asking for the help, I am quite sure the president will welcome that. But if they refuse the help, then the president is going to act accordingly on his own. It's kind of like lot. giving a kid the decision to make the right choice and then when they don't coming in and saving the day. So speaking of governors in Democratic states, uh, the governor of Oregon does the COVID-19 death, uh, death rate delivery update in, in a clown costume. Did you see that? Oh, yes. And that was followed up by another individual in a, in a mouse costume, uh, I believe. Um, what you is know, happening? I mean, I, yeah. I, read, I read the comments and I see, you know, sacrificial this or how, you know, she she wronged someone. So it was part of her. You know, what do you think on that? Well, that certainly um, has been done in the past. And so we have examples. Governor um, Andrew Cuomo, I believe, was right, forced with the shirt. Some, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this certainly has the the mark of that. And, you know, it begs credulity that any, you know, person would do this, um, you know, willingly. Lori Lightfoot, you know, dressed up in a Halloween superhero costume handing out candy on one press conference. So, you know, there is some very strange behavior going on. Um, it feels like a capitulation to me. It, it, yep. If it were, we could write it off as Halloween if we were closer to Halloween and we weren't talking about death. Right. But the, but the fact of what she was talking about, no, mm -mm, doesn't line up. It's a capitulation in my opinion. Right. And it's hard not to think of it, of it that way when you look at the numbers. I mean, my God, the the look at just enthusiasm uh, in terms of how many people support the president, how many of these these Trump caravans are occurring all over the country, the boat um, caravans in the uh, intracoastal waterway. You look at, um, you know, more Trump people at Biden rallies than Biden supporters. It's quite unbelievable. So there's little doubt in anyone's mind, certainly uh, people working within the Q movement, that um, it's a lock. This election is a lock. There's no way we're going to lose it, no matter what they do. And that actions that we're seeing now certainly 
uh, would um, include acts of capitulation and contrition on the part of those wishing to get a, a more lenient sentence mm-hmm. when things go to trial. So mm-hmm. uh, that's certainly a fitting scenario and synopsis um, uh, for something that uh, like, like the clown suit deal. Definitely. It'll be interesting to see. I know Newsom won't roll that out because of his connection, obviously his aunt being Pelosi and all of that, but it's, it will be interesting to see how the deep state moves forward on November 3rd, what, what their next action is, you know? Yep. Yep. I mean, and, and again, people should take it seriously. Um, you know, November 4th is not a time to be going out and confronting people or getting involved uh, in anti-rioting posturing. Not a good idea. Let the government do its job. Let, you know, our side do it properly. And, and because you're not helping, you know, to go out there and think you're going to stop rioters from doing what they're doing. You're just going to end up getting killed or getting other people killed. So we really do encourage people to use common sense and stay home and just, you know, listen to the news. Certainly the president will be broadcasting on the emergency broadcast network. I, I think that's a pretty much a given at this point. Um, and so there will be a lot of very valuable information being provided to the American citizens through those channels. So and hopefully- Sean Morgan shared a similar thought to that last week. So I, yeah. I definitely agree with that. I mean, so get yourself a, a radio that can receive the EMS and the uh, and be prepared for, you know, what, what our grandparents, at least what my grandparents <laughs> I know, <kind> right? <laughs> to endure. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we were going to talk about was free energy. Can, can you kind of just enlighten us to what that is and what that means? Sure. Um, when you talk to scientists who work in this area, uh, they don't use the term free energy. They use the term zero point energy. And this is a more accurate description of the, the energy that is contained in what we'll call space time. Uh, and it is, it's, an, it's an aspect of quantum physics that is, um, is, is talks about um, how energy comes into existence. And that um, coming into our existence, which is a three-dimensional construct, energy comes into our existence, you know, from another place. And you can name those things if you want to. It's kind of immaterial. Um, Plato uh, coined the term ether, um, which is spelled A-E-T-H-E-R. And he called that the medium that the universe exists inside. And it explains how light propagates through space and other things like that. It also explains how energy comes into existence um, through um, a process. And it's, it has everything to do with magnetism. And the new science that's coming out now about gravity research and cosmology uses electromagnetism all the time. It is a fundamental aspect of this research. So a magnet has two poles, and it, therefore it is called a dipole. Energy comes into our universe uh, 
through a, a process of electromagnetism. And when you, for example, run a generator, you're using gasoline to spin um, um, an electric motor. And when that happens, the electric motor actually generates electricity. But that's not actually what's happening. The motor is simply um, opening up that dipole and allowing energy to come into existence. And as soon as that happens, that dipole closes and the, the uh, gasoline engine has to spin the motor to open that dipole again. So the gasoline engine is doing nothing other than constantly reopening that dipole to allow energy to come in. And, and that's where the fuel usage goes. But there's ways to do that. There's ways to open up that dipole so that the energy comes in without using chemical fuels. And this is the technology that we're talking about. And it uses magnets and the repulsion and attraction acts, uh, aspect of electromagnetism and how to build uh, machines that are extremely um, efficient and, and um, with very tight tolerances that can do this um, and do it, uh, you know, forever. Once you get them spinning, they just stay spinning and the electricity comes in um, from, you know, the source and you have a, a device that produces um, ongoing electricity. That technology exists and it has been put into production, but not for mankind in the public. It is used by militaries around the world to do things like build underground structures and systems and to power them uh, you know, without anybody being aware of it. They don't need big power plants to power them. They use these devices. This is what Nikola Tesla was working on. And his papers, when he died, were then seized by the FBI during the time in the 50s. And they brought in um, scientists and physicists to help them understand what they were looking at because they didn't have the talent um, at the time in the FBI to do that. Well, one of the people they brought in was a very well-known uh, and respected physicist uh, who worked at MIT, and his name was John Trump. This was Donald Trump's uncle. So that tells us that the Trump team, Q, the military, all these people that are behind what's happening right now understand this, know all about it, and have the opportunity to bring this into the public domain. at executive orders that Trump has written that deal specifically with our electrical infrastructure, you start to get a hint about uh, this technology coming to the fore. So it's something that um, it's a major game changer and it really is going to change um, our 
economics in a very big way. It's going to change um, the the ability of anyone, and I mean anyone, to do whatever they want, produce whatever they want, fly wherever they want to. This involves anti-gravitic aircraft, you know, the propulsion systems that uh, that UFOs use. It's well, I can, simply... I, I can tell you there have been two instances uh, where we live is rural, um, two instances where we had people at our house and we saw more than one person, many people saw a, an aircraft of some sort, which we can call a UFO, just for the basic terminology, an unidentified flying object, moving in ways that no drone, no airplane, and no helicopter could cognitively move. Like, I, I mean, huh. and, and, and we were all like white, you know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. was a, it was a, <laughs> It was a collective understanding that this was out of this world. And if of this world, something that we weren't supposed to really be aware of or know about. And it was actually one of the cases that was reported on the news. And they said, oh, it was a test something from one of the military bases. And it's just a rocket. And we're like, no, 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 it's not. That is not how it works. It's not how it moves. Like we have the awareness that there was something else in some sort of anti-gravity fashion happening, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Common sense tells you that a normal aircraft cannot do this. They simply, if for no other reason, the inertia on the part of anyone inside that aircraft would be um, catastrophic. They wouldn't be able to survive it. Now, even if it was a drone, um, anyone even moderately aware of of, um, material... (laughs) aeronautics know that that any vehicle would break up um when subjected to those kinds of maneuvers force yep exactly so separately i wanted to ask you about this so my husband and i flew recently uh from northern california to scottsdale arizona um in our small aircraft over the um Area 51 and outside of Las Vegas, just right through all of that. And we saw this, I mean, the light coming off these things was out of this world. And I even said, I I said, it looks like the sun. And and we did end up researching it and it was called uh, solar ocular something like there there was a term for these things that are right outside of vegas in the middle of the desert but it it, but but the energy like you could actually see like almost like lightning like electricity just coming off of these things and in 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 this crazy way and i thought there's got to be more to that than just them saying oh we're collecting solar energy that didn't sit right with me like this this thing was these were huge i mean and the amount being generated and the color of that light was just out of this world. Do you know anything about those? Yes. Those are um, existing towers modeled on the, the tower that Tesla built. And the way they work is that you see on top of the tower, a large ball or mushroom. There's yes. this, a, a big uh, full or partial sphere on top of these towers out of this spear are many spikes, okay? What they do is they push electricity up into the tower and radiate it out of this sphere, okay? And that energy 
rise, goes up into the atmosphere and up into the ionosphere and makes a, an electrical connection to the ionosphere, which is just teeming with electricity. That's where all the lightning comes from. When a cloud top reaches that height, then the electricity in the ionosphere can make a connection to the ground. Very simple electrical process. But the, these towers um, are like artificial clouds, and they do that process uh, uh, artificially. So when the electricity comes down through the atmosphere from the ionosphere, it goes into the top of the tower and into the grid. And that is electricity that will power everything. That's one way of doing this. What I was talking about before is a more exotic way to do it. This is a more terrestrial way to do it, but equally as effective. So these um, effects you're seeing are the corona discharge from very high voltage a dis, you know, electricity happening on the tops of these towers. Okay, is that making sense so far? Yeah, yeah, it was utterly mind-blowing, but yes. Okay, so, so this is the thing. Coronal discharge is, um, has a very distinct color. Um, if you've ever seen a nuclear reactor with the mm -hmm. cover taken off, mm -hmm. they, they have this very beautiful but somewhat eerie blue color. Yes. And it's named after uh, Cherenkov, who is a Russian physicist, and it's called the Cherenkov effect. When nuclear radiation gets to a certain point, it gives off light of that eerie blue color. And so these are the effects you're seeing when you operate in very high electrical physics. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so now they have been building these towers out in your area, and I've seen them myself. Uh, and I knew what they were, and I knew what they were for. And I thought, okay, well, this is going to come out into the public at some point. Um, and, uh, but it's now uh, starting to happen. And we're going to see those things start being uh, put up in, all over the place. And it's basically going to be a distributed network. And our... Uh, electrical grid will have to change because it's not designed for a distributed network uh, generation capacity. But, you know, that's that's just a, a minor thing. But it, it brings me back to my comment about the executive order that Trump signed about the electric grid having to be changed and, um, you know, retooled. And that is what that's about. Well, it's interesting because one of the biggest arguments I hear from the left uh, when having conversations about politics is, you know, and, and this one, and it touches my heart, is climate change. And, you know, if I look at the things in that realm, I see so much in the way of desertification with the wind. And, and Trump even referenced that in his recent debate. He didn't specifically mention desertification, but he did talk about the wind and what the wind energy and how bad it is and what, what it's doing to destroy our, our, our earth. And yep. so it's interesting that this is a component of all of this, because I know for me and probably a lot of people who at least were in the middle um, prior to kind of all of this stuff and, and having to kind of awaken um, is the is saving the planet we live on, you know, is that component of it. You know, I, I would say to you, as I would say to anybody, that um, 
we'll see how that works. You know, if if these things um, work, which they do, and they are uh, allowing us to reduce the amount of chemical fuels that we have to burn in order to do the things we want to do, then the impact is going to be seen and it'll be obvious and we'll be able to, to you know, calculate it and, and have data. So, but those are lags. Those are things that are going to happen and we won't know until we have that data. So that's something that we can look forward to. And no matter what side of the argument you're on, you can't argue with the fact that we'll have more and better data and we'll know more and we'll be doing a better job of figuring out just exactly what's going on with the climate, whether we're impacting it or whether there's just something, a normal cycle going on. So I I don't want to see people, you know, get... Um, uh, in a in a um, you know a mode of of arguing about these things uh, around whether or not it's good for climate change because I, I don't think that's that's an argument that's really winnable right now. Yes, down the road when we have more data, but I think we need to really focus more on you know dealing with these present issues um, that we can deal with. Well, I mean, people who are voting for Biden simply because they want to they believe he's going to do good things for climate change. Yep. And if they want to believe that, that's what they're going to believe. And at this point, Michaela, if they have not seen the light about what Biden has been doing, then I'm not sure that anything I or you or anybody else is going to say that's going to change that. And um, and that's just how. So, so one of the things that I keep hearing, and, and, I, and I, one of the things that I keep hearing, and I can't necessarily disagree with, is that a new party needs to rise from all of this after all of this. What do you think about that? I think that's a very good question. I, of, I'm the kind of person that looks at the two-party system and sees divide and conquer as a root reason for creating a two-party system. And I would like to see that go away myself. However, I'm far from being able to proffer up uh, uh, an alternative that would make sense for this country. I think it's going to be a morphing. I think we're going to see um, the Democratic Party so damaged that um, recovery may be impossible. And But at the same time, that the GLP, as we knew it, really is no longer either. I mean, when we look at what's happening now in the Trump administration, I don't see Republicans. I see this, this amalgam of people. When you go to Trump rallies, it's like 25% Democrat. It, it's really everybody. I mean, all races, colors, every uh, kind of American goes to those rallies. And it's a beautiful thing. So I'm not sure what you would call that. I would, I don't like really having parties. I just think it should be Americans choosing the person they feel best suits uh, the, the way forward. And you don't need a party for that. 
I agree. And that's always what has been my stance since I originally registered independent is I vote for the people. I vote for the topic. I'm not voting for a party. And I think that I've heard this a lot. Well, what is, you know, I heard this the other night. Well, well, what are they going to do to, to get rid of the DC corruption? I've heard this from the left. And I say, if you can't see that the reason everybody hates Trump, including you, everyone that hates Trump, including you, is because of what he's done to destroy the corruption in D.C., then there's nothing I'm going to say to change your mind. Like, literally. Yeah, it, <laughs> right. I know. It's that fundamental. And and again, and, and I have to say, um, I would not wish this process on um, on people who aren't going to be able to handle the change. This is a really, you know, to have my worldview wrecked in the way that that liberal worldviews are going to get wrecked is not fun at all. Mm-hmm. And and it's going to be really hard it's be for painful. people. And yeah. painful is all get out. So And they're going to realize how many relationships they've destroyed over this only to to see they were siding with It's going to be heavy. And this is our job moving forward. And I hope, if nothing else, that people hear this clearly, that if you really are uh, want to honor this process that we're involved in right now, it means you're fighting for them. And that when this, after the election, and we start going through the next phase of the process, that you're doing your utmost to help those who are suffering because they had no idea this was coming and they don't know how to handle it. So, you know, that's that's a, an important aspect of what we do. And when we get into that phase, that is going to be an aspect of what we're doing in that phase of the process. And well, I just hope people get that. I'll tell you, Jim, I struggled with this yesterday. Um, I chose to keep my son home from school primarily on the point that I was involved in a couple of emails in the summertime with some people involved in the school district who were very shameful towards me about my position on the masks, which is no and hell to the no. Uh, especially for children. And I was very shamed by quite a few people um, in that process. And then I saw yesterday a couple of photos um, because school is now back in session. And at first it was, you know, back in session limited with the masks and the distancing. And I saw a couple of photos and the, the children weren't wearing masks. They were very close together. And in my heart, I'm thinking, oh, thank God that these kids are, are getting to experience a normal life. And yes. I'm happy for that. But then there's the flip side of me that felt so shamed and so, and so much hatred regarding this topic from the very people who are allowing the kids to take them off. And I I had to tell myself, Michaela, this is part of their waking. This is part of them realizing that it wasn't the right choice and they're doing better. They're making a better choice, but God, it was hard. It was hard. It felt (laughs) like, Oh, I, I struggled for so many hours yesterday with this because it was like, man, I felt like I went through hell with these people only to have them finally wake. And I need to be grateful that, that they are in that space and that they are making better choices for the kids and things like that. But gosh, it was, it, it didn't, it didn't feel that way, you know? No, no, it doesn't. But that's part of our awakening is to learn how to um, be humble, be silent, just observe 
and know that what we're seeing is a process that is unfolding. So this is a lot of work because not only do we have to look outward, but we have to look inward and do that soul-searching process that you just described. And so I hope that uh, people appreciate at some point the the efforts that, that folks like us are putting into this because we have to just suck it up. And we all get that. We all get that harassment, shaming, and, uh, and in some cases, real abuse because of our beliefs and the positions we hold. And these come from oftentimes family members to say nothing of friends and community. So, um, you know, it's, it's the cross we bear. But it's, uh, I was you know, just going to say that my astrologer said to me when I met with her in August, she said that I was, that I was going to have a boat and I was going to be maneuvering people through like a swampy, muddy, murky water. Many people were not going to be ready to get on the boat, but it was my job to save space for them when they were. And at this time, I really didn't know what she was talking about, but I get goosebumps repeating it to you now. And she said, the most important thing that you need to hear from me, and it had to do with Pluto and Mars and et cetera. She said, the most important thing you need to hear from me is that you cannot be righteous you yes. have to remain humble. And I was like, so confused at the time. I was like, okay, well, I'm not really a righteous person. That's not like my style. That's not, <laughs> but okay. And right. then yesterday, oh God, did I feel that? I told you. you know, like I <laughs> yeah. And you're human. And went, this is oh, this natural is reactions, <laughs> you know, but, but quite an amazing reading you got. Um, oh, she's epic. Accurate. Uh, and quite, um, uh, geez, I'm, I'm at a loss for the words that I would use. I mean, it, it's a sobering and beautiful um, uh, way to, to interpret your role going forward. And it's exactly what you're doing. And it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful way to put it. And, and she really is. She's she's been on this podcast before and I meet with her every quarter um, and, and she has never failed to be. She's of another level. You know, yeah. she's in some 5Ds. <laughs> her intuition is out of this world. So it, it definitely I mean, she's guided me so much in that way. And at the time, I rarely understand it. But but always then when it's there, I like, aha, this is exactly what she meant. This is exactly yeah. what I w- had coming, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And this is the thing about people now. It's, um, you know, when when those of us who have been reading the Q drops since uh, they started, uh, we didn't understand what he was what they were talking about. Um, you know, some of the time deltas that were involved here. But of course, Q kept saying, you know, uh, future proofs past, future proofs past. And we just hear these things and they kind of go in one ear and out the other for some of us, me included. But now it's like, holy crap. Uh, you know, we were getting very detailed information at a time when we didn't have the tools to really understand what we were hearing. Now, of course, we see and we understand things in a very different light. We look back on those cue drops and go, oh, my God, the, the incredibly succinct information we were getting and we didn't even realize it. So powerful. So, Jim, you're on a sailboat. You're about to set, set sail in the sea, correct? That is correct. My batteries are here. They are charging uh, as we speak. 
undercover because it's raining quite a bit here. Um, and um, on top of that, two of my sons are going to be visiting me. They are seeing the boat for the first time. And uh, wow. so we're getting that little family time in. I, I can't even begin to tell you how happy that makes me. And, um, and then um, I will be heading off to North Carolina and then Florida. And wow. uh, I couldn't be more excited. I'm very looking forward to seeing my sister who lives in, in Florida and to being in Florida and being with my cruiser community in Florida. This is a very, very exciting time for me. And um, I have a lot of work to do um, uh, as I get going on this process. And, and by that time, of course, it'll be after the election and I will have um, much more and better platforms that Sean and I will be able to get back into our uh, uh, video processing and, and broadcasting. So we're both really excited about the future. Super cool. I love, I love the podcast. I, I listen to it every week and it's, it's truly fantastic. And I've, I've loved to get to have you guys on, um, just to share some of this information, especially while there's so much censorship. So, um, really cool That'd that you're going to be floating while the election is happening. And I can't think of a better place than being at sea. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? A little yeah. jealous, not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, and I look forward to having you on in the future as this continues to unfold. Well, it's always a pleasure, Michaela, and uh, and I feel a real um, good synergy because we we seem to get a lot uh, out there uh, in a in a usable format. And and again, uh, it would be fun to come on with Sean. And uh, really, uh, there's so much synergy I think between the three of us that uh, we could really have a, a lot of fun and and get a lot of work done there. But let us know and um, carry on. We, I'm so happy you're doing what you're doing. And, uh, and again, these uh, shows have been um, really enjoyable for me. Thank you. Me too, Jim. I really appreciate you and enjoy your time out to sea and we'll connect as soon as you're back. Very good. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. You too. Bye-bye now. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.